Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report. Armor Insiders, Armor YouTubers, everybody who's joining us on a Saturday, thank you so much for being here. I just love seeing you guys on a Saturday. It gives me a chance to order my thinking, get my thoughts ready for the next trading session on Monday. So I appreciate you take out your time to spend it with me. All right, let's talk about this. Armor Report stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. This is a show about quantum mental investing. It's a combination, quantitative execution. We use computer algorithms to tell us when to buy or sell stocks. Okay. And we combine that with a fundamental foundation. And that's the information edge that I share with you every weekend. All right. Now, today we're going to talk about stock market direction, right? The mechanical bull market that's been in place since the 23rd. We're going to talk about precious metals and the short squeeze that's unfolding that could get very interesting in the month of July. And we're going to spend some time talking about cannabis stocks because we're going to use them for a teaching moment. Okay. So those are the three topics. Then I'll get to Q and A as I always do. Don't forget information I share with you, information I use to manage my own capital and to manage capital for investors I work with through our interactive brokers affiliation. I am not telling you what to do. I don't know you. I couldn't possibly tell you what stocks to buy, what stocks to sell. But what I can do is share 30 plus years of experience doing this, put you on my shoulders and let you reach higher. That's what I'm trying to do here. Okay. And so um, let's just dive right in. We got a lot to, a lot to unpack this week. The armor investing way really breaks down into three stages. It's very simple to understand. The first stage is building your whiteboard. That's the fundamental research part. Figure out what stocks you want to own, do the research, get it ready. The second stage is execution. And we use algorithms for that. When to buy the market, and then when we're buying the market, what stocks to buy. And the third stage is managing risk. And we use stop losses for that. And we use targeted exits for that. Okay. So today we're going to focus again on the second stage, which is execution. That's where we are right now in the market cycle. We're in the execution phase. Obviously we're doing all three things at all times, but there's a bold faced focus on execution this week. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> We're going to dive right in with market direction, and I'm going to share my thoughts with you on what I believe is one of the most difficult things investors need to do to be successful and increase net worth over a long period of time. I'm going to share with you one particular issue that I think is holding you back, okay? And I'm going to share with you ways to get over it. So... Let's first take a look at the market. I call this a mechanical bull. The mechanical bull has three legs. The first leg is Fed intervention, central bank adding liquidity, and you don't fight the Fed. The second is the trend. We're in an uptrend. The trend is your friend until it isn't. 
You don't preempt that. Okay. And the third thing, of course, is the market climbs a wall of worry. So God knows there's tons of worry out there. We were day trading this week. And if you're an Armor Insider, you know this. We have a Slack day trading room set up. So everybody who's an Armor Insider, a subscriber, and you can subscribe right down here if you wish to do so. You can see both subscriptions for the YouTube channel, but also for the Armor Report, ARMRReport.com. Um, and when you subscribe, you get to be part of this Slack Armor Trading Desk. And in the day trading channel, we were out there executing in the uh, indexes throughout the week, short and long. Um, and we're trading both sides right now as the market is trying to find its way. So we hedge and we, we take outright long risk. So I'm going to take this off. All right. Thanks for that. If you like this, give me a thumbs up, whatnot. Okay. So what we've seen this week, stock market direction, right? We have these three forces that are driving the market higher, but we've had weakness in the last two weeks. I'm going to share with you a tweet this week from one of my favorite um, Twitter accounts that I follow, and that's Dan Niles. He's a fund manager. And he said this week, and I'm not going to go find the tweet for you. I'm going to paraphrase. The last two weeks, we have seen the Fed add less liquidity than it had been added. Okay? In fact, if you go to Dan Niles on Twitter, I think he pinned this tweet to the top of his um, Twitter, Twitter uh, feed. So you can see the exact dollar amounts. So what he's saying, and he's right, it cuts through all the noise. The Fed is adding liquidity, but at a reduced rate in the last two weeks. Is that a coincidence that the stock market has stalled out? No, it's not. The market goes higher when the Fed keeps adding liquidity. If the Fed's adding liquidity at a reduced rate, the market takes a break. Okay, so what I've been saying for the last, I don't know, since the bottom of late March is that we're in a mechanical bull market and we want to error on the side of being long until that pattern fails. Okay, so from a market direction standpoint, let's take a look at this chart. Okay, this is a, a chart of the S&P. And what you're seeing here is the low of 615. To me, this is the low that dominates the market right now. So we had this big sell-off, this gap-down sell-off the day after the Fed meeting. Okay, the market tested those lows for a couple days and then found big buying support right off of that bottom right there. Okay, rallied up. Now it's come back down and it's testing the uptrend. 
Okay. So to wrap up this segment, market direction. We don't know what the Fed's going to do next. We only see that in hindsight. We can't guess what's going to happen. We can't um, look at all of our fears and our worries and exit an uptrend early because we're afraid the market's going to break down. You can do that if you want. We don't do that at the Armor Investing, uh, um, at the Armor Investing way. We don't do it. Okay. What we try to do is get on the right side of probability and statistics. Okay. And put capital to work when the reward is worth the risk. And the way to do that is to literally buy weakness in strength. The strength is the uptrend. So take a look again. The strength is the uptrend since the market bottomed. The weakness we're buying is the sell-off from the top of the channel to the bottom of the channel. It's always most uncomfortable to do that. Okay, most people. Because the human brain is made this way. Fear drives decisions. So when the market sells off to an uptrend or a key point, the emotional response is to sell positions quick because you're sure the market's going to break down this time, right? Then the market reverses and goes right back up. And what you're caught in is now the greed or the fear that you've missed the entry point. So you start chasing at higher levels. And then all of a sudden you're in this washing machine and you end up with less and less capital. This is the number one issue most investors have. So I don't know what the market's going to do next week. That's not the point. The point is not coming on this channel every Saturday and, and hoping that I'm going to tell you with a crystal ball that the market's going to do X next week. I don't know that. Nobody knows that. Anybody selling that online is selling snake oil. Okay. It's a joke. What I am doing is I'm saying this. You put capital to work when reward is worth the risk. What does that really mean? I want to put capital to work where my stop is perfectly defined and it's manageable. There could be a really big down day next week that takes me out of a lot of positions. Armor portfolios will raise a lot of cash. Armor insiders will know it while it's happening. We'll be in the Slack room talking about it, and I'll say, here it is. This is the day taking us out. We have to raise cash. Okay? It could happen. But it's manageable if I'm buying close to the stop. The market rips higher. We'll be in right down at these levels. And while everybody else is chasing the market as it's making all-time new highs, we'll just be managing success. And that's the cycle you have to get your mind in. So the most difficult thing I find for investors is to break the cycle of fear and greed. The way we do it is by using algorithms. It's the execution piece. It never feels right to put money to work when the algorithms 
tell us to put money to work. See, because AI doesn't have fear or greed. It doesn't know. It doesn't think about it. It just calculates and says probabilities are great here. Rewards worth the risk. Put the capital to work. Goes down tomorrow, stops it out. So what? It's a computer. It doesn't have an ego. It doesn't care if it's right or wrong. It just keeps executing on probabilities. And over time, the probabilities work out in our favor. Okay? I guarantee you, on this day right in here, as the market was plummeting in the morning, a lot of people were selling their stocks. Sure, I remember this, and maybe you do. Sure that the market was going to go back down and test the lows of March. That was right in here. Right? That was May 14th. In fact, I talked about it. Stan Druckmiller, you know, Mark Cuban, you know, all of these, you know, uh, who, who else was it? Um, Jeffrey Gunlock. All of these guys were out telling us that the market's going to crash and go back down to the lows of March. And what I said that day on the 15th, 14th, was we're still along the market. We bought the market today. The reward to risk is correct, and we're putting money to work. And we had a huge run. Okay, So we're going to keep at that until we get taken out. We're going to read and react to what happens next week. We have our whiteboard ready and names we want to own. We are carrying cash right now. Anywhere between, I don't know, 15 and maybe 30% cash, depending on the portfolio we're running. And we'll put that, so first of all, we are a little bit defensive, right? We're not 100% long. But we're waiting for the right setup next week. And when we get it, we'll be in the slack room telling Armour Insiders, this is the day we're putting the rest of our cash to work as close to the stop as we can, right? And then letting it run. And so I leave you with this thought. Ask yourself, why? Look in the mirror and say, why is it? that I don't want to put money to work when the market's right on the uptrend, right on support. I don't want to do that. But two weeks from now, when the market's making new highs, I'm going to be so happy to put all my capital to work up there. Why? The risk is so much greater up there. Take a look at the chart again so I can explain it. Right? I know a lot of people that did not buy the market down here when we were buying it. And then they started chasing it here. Okay, so the market gaps up. Now it starts selling off. Now they start losing money. And what do you do? Do you stop out all your positions? You, you shouldn't. You haven't gone below the uptrend. You haven't taken out the lows. So instead, you took a lot of risk. You put a position on when, when risk was greater than the reward. The risk being the stop. The real stop is down here. It has to take out the low of June 15th. So why are you more comfortable putting risk on further and further away from the stop? You've got to break that habit. It's not easy. I'm going to help you do it if I can. I use algorithms to help me. Even I struggle with it. Okay? We all do. So let's move on. Um, So we've got market direction, which is I'm still long bias. I'm looking for the double bottom to hold here in the market. We'll see. 
I had an Armour Insider ask me at the end of the day yesterday, why am I using June 15th as my stop as opposed to the uptrend line, which looks like it's being violated right now? It was a great question. And, and here's my answer. Number one, everybody is looking at the same trend line. So there's high-frequency trading algos that are just designed to stop hunt. They're just designed to find your stop and take you out. If it's a well-defined uptrend that everybody can see, the risk of a break below it and a reversal back above it that wipes you out of your positions is high. So I generally don't use a trend line that everybody can see as my stop. I recognize it, I see it, but I don't use it as my stop. The second thing I would say is with trend lines, this is true. You need the three day or 3% rule. That's been true for like, I don't know, 50, 50 years or something. Maybe the 3% isn't accurate anymore because the volatility is so great. So maybe it's three, maybe it's three days and 6%. But the rule states that you have to break a trend line by more than 3% and to do that for at least three days. In other words, to live below that trend line for at least three days before a technical analyst can really say that the trend is broken. It allows for some wiggle room. You know, don't forget, charting is a little bit of an art. It's not a science. It's charting is trying to gauge buyers and sellers. And when the buyers start to overrun the sellers, overwhelm them or, or the sellers overwhelm the, the buyers and you get price movement. So it's definitely an art. And so I would never use a trend line as a, as a um, all by itself as a simple fact of, oh, it went a penny below that trend line. I got to get out. It just doesn't work like that. And then here's the other thing. I like to look for structure around the trend line. Okay. So let's look at this again. So the trend line is there. That green line looks like we, I don't know, we closed right on it, a little bit above it, a little bit below it, depending on how tight you want to draw it. See what I'm saying? It's, it's totally in the eye of the beholder. I can move that line up here. I can move the line down here. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a bit of an art, guys. But what really matters to me is the 200-day moving average, which is that black line right there. Oops. This black line right here. Nope, that's 50-day. This black line right there. Okay which comes in at 296.97. So first of all, before I'd use a, a, an uptrend line that is easy to draw and change, I would use the 200-day moving average, which is 296.97. And then I go look at that day on the 15th of June, and I see that's 296.74 is the low. So when I get confluence all around this price, then I know, okay, that's real. That's, that's what matters to me, not just a trend line. Okay, now it's true. You could say to me, well, doesn't everybody see that also, that June 15th and 200 day? You're, you're right. You're right. So it's very possible you get a move below the 15th and the 200 day and three or four days later back above it. Okay, but at some point we have to um, protect capital first, capture up the guy upside second. So if we take out that low on a closing basis, not on a on an early morning basis, but at the end of the day, if we take out that low, 
I will be raising cash more aggressively. We already have some cash in the portfolio. I'll have a lot more cash. Um, and then we just have to watch the market trade. If it goes below that level, reverses and skyrockets above on huge volume, we got to put money to work that day. Because then we say, hey, look, that, that price point is holding. Institutions are coming back in to support it, right? That was just a stop hunt. Okay, they got us. They, they hunted us. Boom, we're out. Okay, we're back in three or four days later. We have to do that because we never know when a stop hunt turns into a run and the whole market implodes and we can't just sit there and take losses. Guys, if you're following the Armour Report, you're up huge this year. Huge. I mean, don't forget. I think investors forget this a lot. You don't need massive returns every year. Money doubles. This is a fact. Money doubles at 7% rate of return over 10 years. If you could just make 7% every year for 10 years, you'll double your net worth. So if you have a year like right now, where you should be up three, four, five times that 7% number, you've already had a huge year. So now what we have to do is just manage our risk, follow our rules. It's okay if there's if this next week turns out to be a loser and it takes us out of position, so what? And let me tell you something. This week, we added alpha again. We've added alpha in the last two weeks. Our net worth is up in Armour portfolios over the last two weeks with the market down. Now, how did we do it this week? Disruptive growth and precious metals. So let's move on and talk about that. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about worries, okay? The Wuhan virus and all these other things and, and, and the November election, all these other things. This is anecdotal fears that won't help any of us make money. We don't know how things are going to play out. There's just no point in talking about it to me. I'm just so sick and tired of hearing about it. It's all they talk about on CNBC, and it's pointless. It doesn't help anybody make any money. So um, what I want to focus on is how do we create alpha this week with the market going down? Some weeks, if you just keep your net worth steady, as the market drops, that's alpha. And that's what we did this week. We just kept it steady. And we did it because we're focused on disruptive growth and precious metals. And of course, because in the, in the um, Slack chat, you know, day trading channel, we short the market as a hedge for our equity position. So that helps also. But even if you're not shorting, you're just carrying cash. If you just had disruptive growth, and precious metals in your portfolio, your week looked like this. Okay, these are some of the names that are in our portfolio. Oh, that was a good week. That was a good two weeks. Lavango. Not a bad week. Not a bad couple weeks in Chegg. You can't stop Spotify. The stock just keeps going up. Market leader, Splunk, NASDAQ 100 name. Market's down, Splunk doesn't even know it. Okay. All right, here come the precious metals, Newmont. Take a look at GDX, breaking back above the 25-day moving average, coiling for another move. 
and American Silver. Look at these stocks over the last two weeks. See, these stocks are up as the averages are down. Running through some charts there. Nice run up and consolidation in Illumina. All right, so my point is what you want to try to do, and there's names that we've missed. I could go on all day. Stocks that are going through the roof without us. Yeah, all right, let's look at a couple more just for the fun of it. Right? How about this one? This one drives me crazy because I've missed it, and the stock is absolutely skyrocketing. Right? How bad can the market be, guys? Are you really afraid of, that, of, of the market breaking its uptrend when stocks like this are going through the roof? What's Teladoc do? Well, Teladoc's up, right? That looks like a stock could be bought, maybe. Um, anyway, the list goes on. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. It's, it's kind of insane. Um, my point of showing you that is disruptive growth and precious metals over the last two weeks are higher while the rest of the market's going down. And that's how you create alpha, by knowing where to focus your attention. If this market really breaks down next week, then I imagine those names are going to get crushed and we're going to have to start raising cash. But if those names keep leading, we just have to keep focusing on the right areas of the market. Okay, um, let me wrap up by um, talking about um, precious metals for a second. Oh, I want to talk precious metals and then cannabis. All right, precious metals, real quick. Every, every time I kind of get close to saying this, I feel like, you know, somebody hears it and it knocks the prices down. So I'm going to keep this real quiet, okay, just between you and me. It looks like precious metals prices are about to skyrocket, okay? But shh, don't tell anybody that. I'm serious. Every time I feel that way, they get crushed. So... What can I tell you? We have the Bank of International Settlements, BIS, OPEX on Tuesday. Somewhere around 1750, 1755 on gold seems to be the equilibrium. So it wouldn't be strange to see it sell off back to that level. If you looked at the action on Friday, gold sold off right to 1754 earlier in the day, which caused Let's just look at GDX on an intraday chart together as I talk to you. It caused the mining stocks to sell off. Okay. Here's what happened on, uh, okay. So what happened early in the day over here, you see my arrow here. We sold off all morning as gold went down to touch that BIS settlement sweet spot of about 1754. It then reversed. Okay. The, the day trade here, which I did not do because we were, were already long the stocks and I wasn't going long GDX. But as you can see, the minute GDX trades back above the VWAP, which is this black dotted line right here. Oops. The black dots is the VWAP. Okay. The minute it closes back above the VWAP, it tells you the selling's over. And it ripped higher all day. And we added a name at the end of the day to our, our stable of names we already have in the portfolio. Okay? So is it possible we get a sell-off 
back down to the 1750, 1755 area? Absolutely. Like until we get past Tuesday, it could happen. It could happen Monday. Okay. But as I tell you every month, there's a high probability that you get sell-offs to whatever that equilibrium price is as gold rolls. Two things that are in our favor this month that would suggest it's possible gold is not going down anymore. It doesn't happen every month. Probably three out of 12 months, gold goes right up through the end of the month. So maybe this is one of those three. Um, two things. Number one, this is not a physical roll month. Okay, silver, is a, this is the month for silver. So people are standing for delivery right now of silver. But the gold happened last month. Okay, so it's a little bit different this month. And we had quad witching the week before. So it looks like a lot of that action took place the prior week. And so it's possible that there won't be as much selling pressure on Monday and then Tuesday. And so you, what happened on Friday was unique. The market was getting crushed. And for some weird reason, gold and silver have been following the market when it goes down, when really it should be going up. So Friday made sense in that way. But we also saw silver tends to follow industrial metals. So when you get economy closing, um, virus increasing, um, all the metals that are, that are basic materials go down and silver goes down with it. I mean, it's like connected to the ES. Um, ES is the uh, S&P futures. But it totally split. Silver reversed and skyrocketed, um, which was really interesting because this is the month for delivery for silver. So um, there, are, there are a lot of... Um, a lot of contracts standing for delivery. I mean, more than we've seen, I don't know, maybe ever, a massive amount standing for delivery. And so it looks to us like there's not, there's not, there's not really a, a simple possibility to, to deliver on all that's you know, requesting delivery. So two things have to happen. A major short squeeze, okay? Because there's a lot of paper out there that's... Um, that's not real. So you get that paper, it has to cover, okay? Because they can't possibly find the silver to deliver it. And so you get a short squeeze, bang. Or you get a force majeure, you know? And they just settle for a price at higher levels. I, I don't know, but this is what silver looked like on Friday. And it did, so it did the same thing, sell off, sell off, sell off, and then reverse and skyrocket with gold. And this is important because it's, it's very rare to see silver make that type of move while the S&P is selling off. Silver has been following the S&P. And so this was a major divergence. So it could get interesting next week. Shh, don't tell anybody. Okay. Just don't wake up the bullion banks. Have them come out with some crazy thing they decide to do on Monday to ruin uh, um, all the excitement. They seem to always do that. So that excitement is just short term and they're not stopping the uptrend line. That's happening. There's more physical demand than they can possibly handle. It's just a question of how fast we get to those prices. All right. Um, cannabis. I want to wrap up on this thought. I want to share uh, our experience on the armor trading desk and, and share with you how important 
it is to recognize a negative trade as soon as possible and protect your capital. So I always share with you successes. We're not always making money, right? There are times when we make mistakes. I don't like to look at them as mistakes, though. I mean, I got to look at you. I want to talk to you about this for a minute. We got to change our nomenclature. There aren't mistakes. We're following an algorithmic strategy. It's about probabilities and statistics. It's not, there's no system that's 100% accurate, right? So every 10 trades we put in a portfolio, there's going to be, I don't know, three or four that lose money. There's going to be six or seven that go up. And out of those, out of those six or seven, there's probably going to be three or four that skyrocket like Spotify. So our job is to find the three or four that skyrocket and manage the rest to, to a reasonable re- re- gain or loss so that the three or four that skyrocket really increase our net worth. That's, that's the game we're in, guys. You have, you have to think like that. So it's not a mistake. Instead, it's, yeah, I just recognize this, this is not going to make me money. Let's get out. And then let's recycle the capital to get the next name that can turn into Spotify or Viva Systems or Livongo. Okay? So let's take a look at um, – I wanted to show you this. So we were looking at uh, CGC um, – blow up these charts – this was the day right here. I mean, I can't, this chart is so squished. Let me go like this. This was the day on our trading desk. This is um, June 23rd. And in the morning, if you looked at corresponding June 23rd, let's see if we can find it here. There it is. Okay. This is the day on June 23rd, where you see this rip higher and then a collapse the rest of the day. This is the day that they halted trading of um, Aurora ACB because they were talking about, you know, how they're trying to realign their business to bring inventory in line with demand. Okay. So we have two portfolios. We've changed around the armor portfolio page a bit. I've already told insiders this, but let me just go over it again, guys. Bear with me. So we have two portfolios. We have what what I like to call Armor Jedi. You can call it Armor Pro if you want. It's Armor Jedi, right? It's my account. It's how I manage money. I'm in there trading all day. Armor Insiders can trade with me. I buy things in the morning, okay? Then we have the other portfolio called Armor Padawan or Armor Apprentice, okay, whichever you like. And in that account, in that portfolio for Armor Insiders, we wait till the end of the day for an official entry into the portfolio. Okay? So you're not day trading. You're not taking the risk of having losses during the day. You're just executing at the end of the day if an asset is added to an Armor portfolio. Now, it's true. Some days, you're going to pay more than an armor Jedi, because I might be buying in the morning and the assets up at the end of the day and you're paying at the end of the day, a higher rate. That's okay. Because other times I'm buying things in the morning and I'm selling them at the end of the day, taking a loss. 
and you're not part of that trade. So as an armor insider, you have to decide how you want to invest. You can also think of it this way. There's a lower turnover as an armor Padawan. You're only buying something that's officially added. So you don't have to worry about day trading. You buy it at the end of the day and then you follow the position until it either hits stops or we book profits. Okay. But if you are comfortable day trading, right? Taking positions, cutting losses if you have to, and you want to try to capture the cheapest possible price closest to the stop for stocks that are moving, okay, and you want to act like literally trade how I trade, then you can follow the Armor Jedi approach. So Armor Jedis were in there on this trade right here in the morning. In fact, we picked off, we picked off, um, we were buying all these stocks, okay, right early in the morning, somewhere in here. Could have been before 10 o'clock. So it looked like we were making some money early in the morning. And then the whole thing reversed and imploded. Okay, and I don't have to go through every chart pattern, but I can. Let's take a look at ACB. Same thing. These, these charts are so squished. Whoops. Right, same day right there, right? APHA, AFRIA, you guys get the point. Here's the chart. Right, right there that day, sold off. And Kronos, here's our names. Right, breaking down. Okay? So what I wanted to share with you is this. I think that cannabis is going to be a big, a big play in our portfolios at some point. We made money so far trading cannabis this year. Okay? We got in there early in the morning. And we sold it at the end of the day. It's so hard to do that. You start to convince yourself that you have to be right, that you don't want to take the loss, right? You have thoughts like, I don't want to feel silly, right? That's all your ego getting in the way of your performance. None of that stuff matters. You have to recognize an entry that is not right as soon as you can. And you have to not care if you buy it back two, three days later. It doesn't matter. Every day starts fresh. You look at your whiteboard and you say, what asset demands my attention? And that's what you try to trade slash invest in. But the quicker you realize that an asset is not working and you stop your loss, the better. And so clearly on that day, the reversal, I mean, I didn't sell it. Until right at the end of the day, I said, that didn't work. You know, I gave it as much room as I could. And I said, that's it. We're not making this an official position. No positions for armor Padawans. We're not carrying this overnight for armor Jedis. That's it. We're out. And they've gone down every day since. Protect capital, guys. It's the key to this. Capture upside second. Okay, those are my thoughts for the day. Um, let's get to Q&A. Holy smokes, I've been talking for 43 minutes. You guys didn't stop me? <laughs> All right, let's do some quick Q&A. Um, Disney stock, Tech Monkey, Disney. Um, it's an example of an economy reopening name, and I'm not, I'm not investing in those names at all right now. The only things I want to own are... Um, 
you know, really disruptive growth, established growth are precious metals right now. I don't want anything else. Clarence, the bank's given up, have the banks given up shorting gold? Um, yeah, I don't know, Mr. Vogel. I, I mean, you know, they're still, they're still, the bullion banks are still out there shorting gold to some extent, but it's hard to tell what position they're really in. And the big guys, I think, like J.P. Morgan, are now net long uh, precious metals. So even if they have short positions, they're net long. So the big guys who are the smart money are getting in position for a move higher in the asset. And I thought Newmont had a great day. Good morning, Chuck. Thanks for being here. All right. Um, love the story on Grow. As a tech monkey, um, GRWG. Yeah, I mean, it's a great story. I'm still waiting for the deal to be done. I think the stock probably goes lower when the deal is announced. Um, and that's the day I'm going to want to start looking to own more of it. Tom Brady, you're killing it in Fastly, man. Good for you. Um, let's see. Just trying to rip through some things here. I'm really interested in VRM. Nice uh, VRM. All right, I'll take a look at that. Buying and selling used vehicles. I'm not with you on that business model, but I'll take a look. Um, AXSM. Um, I was looking for ASXN. Yeah, and that certainly looks like a good-looking chart right there. Um, but I'm not a big fan of buying biotechs that are, that are uh, names that I don't have really information on that I can trust. So when I'm buying um, biotechs, I really like to trade IBB or BIB, right, which is two times the IBB. And that gives me the same type of, you know, aggressive performance if we make the right entry point but without the risk of an individual name that has an announcement that the FDA has declined their, you know, their, their, their product and the stock drops 50%. I just, I can't figure out how to manage that risk. So I generally don't play in, in, in biotechs like that. Um, Tim. Okay. Tim Kennedy. If the, uh, if the feds recent balance sheet reduction was the sell off last few weeks, do you see this as an issue affecting the bull market going forward? Well, I mean, I hope I answered that. The problem is, Tim, I don't know what the Fed's doing until it's in retrospect. So it's totally normal for the Fed to stop adding as much liquidity. Don't, don't get me wrong. They were adding liquidity. They just reduced it. My guess is they're managing this bull market. They're the, it's a mechanical bull, and they're managing it. So when they saw prices skyrocketing to ridiculous levels on things like Hertz and, and, and Chesapeake, companies going bankrupt, I think the Fed said maybe we need to take some steam out of the market. So they reduced a little bit of their purchases and it brings down the market, right? And fear level goes higher. But the Fed's out there adding liquidity. And the more you talk about virus closures, the more the Fed has to add liquidity. So we don't know where the Fed wants the market to go before they start adding aggressively again. That's the problem with this. So what we have to do is just manage our positions using an algorithm that, that gets us on the right side of probabilities. There will be times that we're wrong and we get stopped out. But then again, it's not right or wrong. It's just this was the time we got stopped out. Okay, go back to cash, wait for the next opportunity, and we'll be putting money to work, I guarantee it, when nobody wants to put money to work. 
but will make money and then in retrospect see that the Fed started adding liquidity again because I guess they determined in their infinite wisdom that the selling was over, that they needed to stop it, right? So hard to know the answer. All right. This looks like Luck L. I'm not here regularly, but I listened to your praise of Charlotte's Web. <laughs> That's the worst investment you made in seven years. Well, my friend, I'm sorry about that. But if you were here regularly, you would know we don't own it. And we haven't owned it for like a year. So maybe perhaps you should become a subscriber. And then you wouldn't have that problem. All right. Um, Juan, uh, symbol, nugget. Yeah, okay, nugget. Nugget is um, two times the gold mining index. You could trade that asset. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but obviously, there's something wrong with the asset when it looks like this, okay, JC? So just be, just be cautious, okay? That's uh, gold miners bull two times. So look at where this thing is trading versus where, you know, GDX is trading. Like something obviously is not working with that ETF, okay? Something odd is going on there with Nugget. So it's a trading vehicle. It's something you could use to day trade. But um, I, I have no interest in owning that stock. How old is my how old is my shirt? I don't know. I don't know how old my shirt is. <laughs> um, but what can I say? My daughter is uh, three, and she loves pink. And sometimes she picks out my uh, outfit in the morning. So this is it. All right. Are you familiar with Cordeline? Yes, I am Cordeline. Yeah. Okay. Um, pulling back. Stock offering is spectacular uh, to separate the company. Huh. I don't know. I have to look at CDE again. I never really have an interest in CDE, but um, I'll take a look at it again. I mean, for my money, I'm, a, I'm more of a fan of, you know, Pan American Silver or Wheat and Precious Metals, those types of names, but I'll take a look. Right now, I'll be honest with you, though, I'm focusing my attention on – um, the top tier names in precious metals. I just don't need the added risk of the smaller names right now. So I want to see if I can start making money on the Newmonts and the Wheatons and the Pan Americans. And if I start, when I say start making money, we bought these things on the 23rd of March and early April. So we're already making money, but then they've had a pullback and they're finding support on the 50 day. And I want to see if the leadership starts leading again. So that's where I want to focus my effort. And if I start making money there, then I might filter down and buy some of the smaller names. Ken, uh, Canvas Whipsaw was a lesson learned. Yeah, yeah, Ken. So, I mean, sometimes it happens. It's okay. We just have to make sure we exit, you know, and take, take, take your hit immediately. No pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. Ray Ray, can you take a quick look at S-T-N-E? Brazilian company, financial technology solutions, merchants. Hmm. All right, and I'll take a peek at it. Uh, it's not immediately an idea that jumps out at me that I have an interest in. But um, if you're asking, you know, I'll do a little work next week and see if it's something I find worthwhile. Um, I, I will tell you, uh, I will tell you this. I generally invest in companies in the United States of America. 
not just because I live here, but because um, the way I add names to my whiteboard is by either talking to management directly of a company or listening to various um, webcasts of either earnings announcements or uh, analyst interviews and those type of things. It's a major part of why I put a stock on my whiteboard. And so if I don't feel I can reach out to management or I can't, you know, access um, um, certain webcasts that are important to me, I really just won't buy the stock. It ends up being an opportunity cost of money. You know, there's just other places I'd rather be where I have a higher degree of confidence in what I'm doing. ESKO, says Tom. ESKO. ESKO. I don't know what that is, my friend. I'm not getting anything on it. Tom, Monday or Tuesday, better better be good. We'll see. All right. Um, Southeastern 99. Hey, my friend. How are you? Glad to have you. Glad to see you on Saturday. Uh, is there a, a short squeeze in INO? Well, I don't know. Whenever we say there's a short squeeze, we don't really know what's going on. I mean, unless it's like a strange case where, you know, I guess what I'm saying, let me put it this way. We do know when shorts are being covered, but, you know, very often people throw that terminology around. I mean, sometimes it's just an institution who wants to own the stock and they start buying it. So um, medical uh, systems, uh, Inovio. Oh, yeah, yeah, Inovio. Um, so who knows? And this could just be a lot of people wanting to buy the stock. How much short interest is out there? Now, I don't think this is a short squeeze. I mean, there's only short interest is like a, like a half a day, a half a day's volume. I don't think there's a big short position. So to me, this is just people betting that what this company is doing is going to be successful. You know, and a lot of guys are trying to get in. You know, that was a great chart down there. Right down here, you know, obviously, is your entry point. Nice pendant that formed. All right, um, let's try to uh, wrap it up here. What do we got? CLDR. Is that Cloud Era? Oh, I don't like this company. I mean, I could be wrong. And, you know, but the management team of this company has just so screwed up what I thought was a great business. I did research on this a while ago. Um, and they just keep disappointing, disappointing. So now the stock's going up a bit, and it looks like there's a new CEO that came in January of 2020. So that's probably why the stock is starting to perform better. So you know what? Perhaps I should do some work on it again. Okay? I'll take a peek. But I think I just looked at this recently. Somebody asked me about this, and um, something about it wasn't right. But, uh, and it's just, just, you know, just to me. But I'll take a look. Any thoughts on Facebook? Big drop. Well, Facebook, weakness in the midst of strength. I, I mean, here's the problem with Facebook. It's caught in some political, you know, battle. There's the chart, right? So it just got wrecked. Um, it's caught in the political battle, right? And I just, it's an opportunity cost of money for me. I just don't have need for Facebook. I've got other names and the NASDAQ 100 that are more attractive to me. And I'm going to share this one with you right now, hot off the press, top of the whiteboard, for all you guys who stayed until the 56th minute of this video. Okay? Here's the chart pattern to the top of the whiteboard to be bought next week. So there's a NASDAQ 100 name, and that's Akamai. 
Okay, if you like Fastly, you have to love Akamai. Akamai is the original Fastly. And the, the, the total addressable market, the TAM, is big enough for both of these companies to make a fortune right now. Look at the performance of this stock. The market cratered in here, and the stock barely suffered, and it's already setting up another cup and handle base, and it's in the process of breaking out. Now, I should have bought the stock, honestly, Friday at the close, but I just wasn't adding stocks in the midst of the market weakness. I need to see the market recover. This will be the first stock that's put in the portfolio if we have a good day Monday. Okay, so there's something for everybody who's watching and, and, and staying here. Um, all right, uh, IIPR affected by the actual weed sector weakness. Um, well, there's two reasons why IIPR may be, may be affected. First of all, we don't own the stock right now. I'm not long IIPR in any portfolio. Number one, yes, when the weed stocks break down, everything goes down, so the stock went down. Number two, the market went down, so who knows? The wiggle lower could just be the market selling off. But number three is what maybe disturbs me a bit. I read the other day, maybe it was just Friday, that in one of these stimulus bills they're trying to push through Congress, they're trying to put in some wording that will allow banks to lend to U.S. cannabis companies without the risk of the federal government um, um, giving the banks problems. So this will open up capital to the entire U.S. cannabis business, which is very bullish for U.S. cannabis. But ideally, that might be bearish a little bit for IIPR, because right now they have rates of return, right? The ROI when they put out money is something like 13%, which is enormous. The average rate doing a sale leaseback is maybe 6 or 7% ROI, right? So they're almost double or more than double what the average REIT is doing because of the unique situation that U.S. MSOs can't get capital. So if you actually get a deal pushed through that allows for banks to lend to U.S. cannabis without the fear of the federal government cracking down on them, you could argue that's actually a negative for IIPR. Okay? So anyway, that's my thought there on, on what is usually my favorite stock, but I just don't own it right now. New York Jets FL. Will Robinhood traders manipulate penny mining stocks like Hertz? Probably, probably, but my guess is not yet. You're going to have to see Newmont Mining and, 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 and um, Gold Corp and Franco Nevada blowing out to new highs. And when that happens, they get so excited, people start buying all the junk. Okay. And when all the junk skyrockets, it's usually the time where I start booking profits on everything I've uh, got in the portfolio. All right. All right. EKSO, EKSO Bionic Holdings for uh, my friend Chad out there. Exoskeletons for use in healthcare. Very interesting. Too small for me. Market caps too small. Um, but, you know, certainly maybe something we should do a little bit of research on. It had a nice pop right there. So I don't know anything about it, Chad. I'll have to do some work on it for you. Don't forget to tell me about it in the Slack room, okay? Remind me, um, as you're an Armour Insider, remind me on Monday, and I'll do a little work on this. All right. 
Um, Thai Tech. All right. Loading up on T under 30. I like that idea. You know, I, I don't know why these – I'm, I'm so surprised that um, the utility stocks broke down. So when I say I like the idea, I'm, I'm not a buyer of that, okay? I have no interest in buying utilities, uh, telecoms. They are not working in this market, all right? So um, no interest for me. And look at the volume selling that's coming out of AT&T right now. So that's a problem, actually. See these red lines right here? Huge volume bars. This stock is being dumped at an aggressive rate, right? Volume is on the upswing as the asset sells off. And the volume on the downside is much bigger than whatever volume there was on the upside when AT&T was running. That's a serious problem, All right? So I've got that on my list. It's on my whiteboard. AT&T, Verizon, Duke, Southern Company, Dominion. These are on my whiteboard. Big dividend payers. The stocks should be going up because interest rates are going down. So why wouldn't be people be buying utility stocks and telephones to collect the dividend? But that's not the market we're in right now. When people are afraid that the virus is going to shut down the economy, they dump all of these names. So will it set up down here and give us another entry point? It might. And it, as an Armour Insider, you, you'll find out. I mean, I'll let you know, hey, today's the day. We're starting to add this part, this group to our portfolio again. But right now, we're just focused on disruptive growth, established growth, and precious metals. All right. Um, all right, guys. That's it for the day. It's an hour been out here. I had so much fun with you. Thanks for spending your time with me. I'll talk to you all next week and have a great weekend. All right? Everybody take a break. Just turn it off and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Take care, guys.